needed to know what was wrong. I had to find out what it was. And the first thing I wanted to have is no toxic cleaning products. Just because you have brain change doesn't mean you can't still do things. You may do it differently. You might need more time. I decided to turn my disability into my ability, and around 7th and 8th grade, I started playing able-bodied sports. If we were knowledgeable, if we were educated, we would have solved science earlier. You battle, and you battle for every single inch of health. A New Perspective, hosted by Tim Sutton. This broadcast is produced by Griffo Productions. Brought to you by A Better Understanding, giving you a better understanding. Hey everybody, this is Tim Sutton bringing you a new perspective. I appreciate everybody joining in and uh, hopefully hearing what I've got to say. I'm going to do things a little bit differently this week. I don't have a guest, uh, but what I typically do is bring people on the show who... uh, are out there who have disabilities, various disabilities, or people who make an impact on the disability community. But um, through the advice of my pro- uh, producer, Anthony Griffo with Griffo Productions, um, decided we're going to do a real quick uh, lesson, lesson on autism spectrum disorders and kind of give you an understanding of why I do what I do and how, uh, how I started and why I started doing what I do. I have uh, just recently, well, about nine months ago, retired from being a police officer. And uh, a little over 20 years ago, I was given an assignment uh, by my sheriff to uh, run a program. And it is actually involves a tracking system where you go out and interact with families who have loved ones who have cognitive disorders, um, Alzheimer's, autism, other forms of dementia, uh, intellectual disabilities. Uh, And it was to deal with people who wander or elope or get away from caregivers. Uh, If you notice media a lot lot these days, officers are always looking for somebody who's gone missing. And a lot of times that's that's what it entails. And uh, there are a lot of different uh, companies out there that have different tools to use. This one was a particular, it was a wrist size watch uh, transmitter that the person would wear on their wrist or their ankle. And if they went missing, I had a team of officers who could come out and do some tracking. Um, it ran off radio frequency, so we would need a call from the caregiver quickly so I could get my officers where they needed to be and hopefully pick that signal up and bring that loved one home. Uh, but as I went out and started meeting a lot of these families, I, I was dealing a lot with autism, a lot with Alzheimer's, other forms of, forms of dementia. Um, and one thing really struck me in, in the autism world, I had not been educated uh, extensively on autism. Most of my training and uh, knowledge I gained was from interacting with the families and and individuals and and doing my own research. But one thing that struck me was, uh, I've shared it a few times before, but the first young man I met with autism uh, was six years old. His name was Matthew. And when I went over to the house to visit with the family and see if he was a candidate for wearing one of these transmitters, uh, he was non-speaking. He could say a few words. Uh, It got to the point a couple years after um, our relationship um, blossomed to where the mom, his mom could ask him, you know, why is he here? Why was, why is officer Tim here? And he could say to keep me safe. But when I met him the first time, when I walked in, uh, the first thing Matthew did was walk up and he put his hand on my weapon. And between me and his mom and dad, we were trying to 
you know, stress to him, you know, you don't do that, don't touch it. Well, then he would come over and he would start leaning against my weapon because he wanted to be in contact with that weapon. And that later found out many times with autism, there are fixations, certain things that uh, the individual wants to have in their possession or want to talk about, or um, it, it's just top priority to them. So we're trying to convince him that, you know, it's probably, you know, he probably needs to stay away and try not to touch the uh, weapon. And I was sitting with the parents at the kitchen table and I felt something underneath my chair and I looked down and Matthew was laying on the floor and he had his finger up the barrel of my weapon. Um, you know, I, I go out and I teach disabilities, but the thing about autism and many of your other disabilities, they is they are invisible disabilities. Uh, with autism, unless there's an underlying circumstance, uh, you cannot look at somebody and tell they have autism. They look just like anybody else who, uh, any neurotypical individual. There's no telltale signs. It's not like uh, someone with Down syndrome, you can look at them and visually tell, okay, there's something a little bit different. But I, I started thinking about that, and in my mind, I bumped it ahead 20, 25 years, and, and imagine Matthew walking into a convenience store and seeing an officer, me standing there in a uniform, and as a 20, 25-year-old, 30-year-old, coming over trying to put his hands on my weapon. You know, again, there are no telltale signs that, that autism is involved. And my way of interpreting somebody coming up and grabbing my weapon is I'm being assaulted. They're trying to get my weapon away from me. I've got protect myself and I revert back to my training and it's kind of self-preservation. You're trying to make sure this person does not take your life. Um, and it could easily evolve into a very strong fight. Um, autism, if you're not familiar, individuals on a spectrum are extremely strong. So I, I really got interested in this topic and I thought how scary it must be for families, for parents to, uh, worry about their child in later life when they become adults. What happens if they go out in public or they're here or there and nobody's with them? Are some of their behaviors going to be misinterpreted? Um, many times with autism, there's some unusual behaviors. So what I want to do is try to give you a little bit of, you know, I, I've traveled training public safety for probably 15, 20 years, and it is imperative to get out there and train these officers. I feel like we owe it to these families and these individuals. And I just want to share a little bit uh, with you why. So starting off, I just want to give you a definition of autism if you're not familiar. And with the first slide, I use these slides when I uh, travel and teach. I pulled a few just so you could have some visual idea of the information I'm getting across. Now, autism spectrum disorders is it's a group of developmental disabilities that can cause significant social communication and behavioral challenges. People with ASD, autism spectrum disorder, handle information in their brain differently, differently than somebody who is neurotypical. Uh, the brain works differently. It's not to say they're stupid or anything. They're actually brilliant. If you take the time to learn about them and learn with them, you'll find out most people with autism are extremely brilliant. They may not have be able to tell you what's going on or explain things the way you'd expect to have it explained, but their minds are actually miraculously smart. I've been into a house uh, where gentlemen on the spectrum asked me what my birthday was. I told him the month and the date, and then he wanted to know the year. And when I gave him the year, he was actually able to tell me the day of the week I was born on. And I could actually give him uh, different dates, and he could tell me what day of the week those were. So that they may process information differently. Their brain works differently, but they're by no means stupid. They are actually 
very brilliant. So kind of with the definition of autism, it's broken down into three main areas. And the next slide shows you those areas uh, where they have challenges. First, there are challenges in social skills. I'm not saying there are deficits or issues or problems. Sometimes there are challenges um, in, in understanding social cues, how to interact with other people. Some individuals on the spectrum can actually go up and carry on a conversation and socially interact, while others would prefer to be off by themselves. Uh, if you see a child on the playground, sometimes sitting over in the corner playing by themselves every day at recess, um, that's, a lot of times that's what you will end up seeing. There are communication issues, uh, understanding what's appropriate to say, what's not appropriate to say, when and where. Um, about 40% 40 40 of people with autism are actually non-speaking, non-verbal. Um, and I know years ago there, there, there was a switch with nonverbal. I think the classification got a little tighter because, and it went to non-speaking because sometimes individuals with autism, they will squeal, scream, make, make some type of noise, which is audible. So it's, it, it is verbalization. And I can assure you that the families, the parents that have those children, have those adults with autism, um, and they squeal and scream, that is just another language for them. Those parents know the pitch, the tone, the length of the squeal or scream. They know what their child wants. They know what that loved one wants. That's their a way of communicating. Um, so that is a verbalization, but about 40% are, are nonverbal, and many of them are non-speaking. They don't speak at all. Um, so there, there are communications, how to interact, um, not just socially, but communicating uh, with individuals. They have challenges in those areas. Some of them do very well, some of them struggle. And the last is repetitive movement. Um, and that, that's where you get the stemming, uh, where they're self-stimulating, -stim trying to cope with something that is stressing them out. You'll see hands flapping, um, waving their arms. They may uh, get on their toes, spin around in circles. Some may put their hands on their ears and, and sit there at home. And a lot of times you will see that when they're stressed because they're trying to put some type of output out to drown out all the sensory issues that are affecting them. It's autism is sensory driven where you may see some um, fluorescent lights in the ceiling. And if the room is really quiet, you may actually hear a buzz from that um, light bulb. That could, for somebody with autism, could be a hundred times louder to them where all they can hear is the humming or the buzz of that fluorescent light. And they can't hear or pay attention to what else is going on around them. Um, you know, law enforcement, everything we ever did in law enforcement was sensory driven. The flashing lights, red and blue lights, the siren, uh, the radios we communicate on. There's so much sensory driven stuff there that it's very, uh, that could be very difficult for somebody on the spectrum. I, I know a lot of uh, families that I interacted with them. We had to put information in a computer system so that when officers responded to that residence, whether it's fire, EMS, or law enforcement, the dispatchers would let us know, please respond without the siren, please respond without the lights, because it could overstimulate that individual and cause them to have what you call a meltdown, which, you know, many times if, if a routine changes uh, or structure of something changes, sometimes they'll have, those individuals will have a meltdown and it will be catastrophic to them. Uh, 
And it comes down to if, if somebody went to school with that every day in the morning in a blue truck and that truck's broken down and they have to go to school in a red car or with somebody else, that's a change in that routine. So they may lash out, act out, have that meltdown. And with that in mind, just think about what these families and parents are dealing with on their snow days when, okay, school's not open. Now that routine has changed. Or even if that child gets to school and finds that they've got a substitute teacher, that routine has changed. So a lot of times, and you can call it a behavioral problem, uh, they may act out, they may have that meltdown. And, you know, it is a behavior that they're exhibiting, but sometimes it's not a behavior that they are wanting to display. They are trying to cope with something that has changed. And the reason they will have these catastrophic meltdowns is part of the brain that controls your fight, flight, or freeze if you get scared or startled or something doesn't go right. Part of your brain is amygdala that controls that. Well, many times with autism, it's larger than those who are neurotypical. And there have been documented cases where that amygdala is actually four times larger. So when they do react, they get startled, they get scared, something changes, does not go right. You get that catastrophic reaction where you're wondering if the world's about to end. Well, in their in their world, it is because everything has been disruptive, uh, disruptive. And it's, it's a very tough things thing for families to be able to stay on that routine. I can assure you that if Thursday night in that family is pizza night, it gets to the point where every Thursday night is pizza night. And that pizza better be the same pizza. Um, because if it's not, the, that individual on spectrum is probably going to chew it up and spit it out because it's not the routine that they're, they're used to dealing with. So think about that. Uh, if you don't have a family member that, or have friends or anybody, know anybody on the spectrum, this is, their this is their daily life. This is what they're dealing with, and they're trying to keep things consistent. So again, back to school. Think about what happens right as school gets ready to let out for the summer. That routine is getting ready to change, and a lot of those families – have a very difficult time to get their child on another routine, but at the end of the summer, he's got to turn around and start another routine. So those families are really dealing with, with a lot. So I talk about the sensory issues and the next slide kind of explains it's a tree. Uh, I had this drawn up. And if you think about it in the spring, when, when the trees, are starting to flourish, uh, the plants, the flowers are starting to bloom. And we're looking at mother nature and all this nature stuff that's so pretty and beautiful. The thing is, it's kind of like autism, there's something controlling that or causing that to happen that we can't see. And, you know, we've got the sun and photosynthesis, photosynthesis and all, but the thing that is controlling what we are seeing the leaves, the green, the, all the colors of uh, spring coming about. Uh, the, the, what's controlling that is what we can't see, and that's those roots. So something that we cannot see are causing those behaviors, those all, all these things that, that are within our sight. And so it's the same with autism and some of your other intellectual disabilities. Um, we might not be aware of something in the environment that has changed, um, but the person with autism, they're so in tune sensory wise, many times I think they're picking up on things that we walk past and we don't even realize are there. Whether the lighting changes, uh, smells, um, you know, all the senses, there are challenges in all of those senses. And the reason autism is a spectrum 
if you've met one, you've met one. Every single one is different. Every single person is different. Some may have pretty decent social skills. They can interact with others without any problem. Some, the next one uh, may not have really good social skills, but they can communicate just fine. They can carry on a conversation. And you may have some that have no social skills, don't wanna be around anybody at all, and they don't wanna to talk to anybody. So all three of those areas many times are weighted differently. Uh, and that's why it is a spectrum. And again, if you've met one, uh, you've met one. So keep in mind, if, if you're in, in a shopping center, if you're in a Walmart or some store, and, um, you know, you see, you see somebody, you know, a child laying on the floor, beating her head on the floor, screaming and yelling, you know, afford that individual and that family, those care caregivers, um, afford them some respect because in many cases, uh, with autism, they, that individual is laying on the floor screaming and they're not choosing to act like that. They're trying to cope with something that is really overstimulating them. So kind of like the next slide I'm going to show you, it's a, it's a um, chalk artist, a drawing on a sidewalk. And if you look at the one on the left, it's, it's obviously something somebody has drawn on the pavement. But if you look at it from a different angle, those little soldiers and everything look three-dimensional. So it's, it's the thing where not, what you think you see is not always what it is. It's how you look, look at it. And in a law enforcement capacity, it's very easy for an officer who's been trained, you know, trained that there are people out there that want to hurt you because you wear that uniform. There's some, a lot of people that do not like police officers, but it, it's easy to misinterpret a behavior from somebody who's on the spectrum and see it as threatening. And officers, when we go through so much training, and the reason we go through so much training, and I went through so much training, is when something does happen, we revert back to our training. So we don't have to think about it. We just go back to what we were trained. Well, if the officers have never been trained on autism or any disabilities, somebody's displaying a what appears to be a threatening behavior, we revert back to the training that we had. So what I try to do is go out and I try to train officers to pick up on some of the behaviors, the stemming, uh, echolalia, where some individuals on the spectrum will repeat whatever you say to them. Now, if I'm two o'clock in the morning and I'm out and about and I see somebody standing on the sidewalk uh, with their hands over their ears humming and I get out of my car and I walk up and I say, who are you and what are you doing here? And their response is, who are you and what are you doing here? And I tell them I need an ID. I say, give me an ID, give me your ID. And they say, give me your ID. You can see how that could go south very easily. So I try to get out there and train up officers to understand what's going on. And that's why I think it's imperative, you know, it's imperative to me that everybody who interacts with the public has some knowledge of what's going on with autism and some of these other disabilities. Again, autism is an invisible disability. Two o'clock in the morning, I, if I don't know anything about autism, I just know I have somebody who's called in as a suspicious person standing on the sidewalk with their hands over their ears humming. And with knowing a little bit about autism, I may pick up on the fact that, okay, this person may be on the spectrum. Maybe something is causing them to try to drown out whatever's overstimulating them. So I, I think anybody that comes in contact with the general public needs to understand these things because we interact with people on the spectrum every day. You see them at, at jobs, 
you see them, they're driving, they do drive cars. But law enforcement, we have the tools that hurt people and can take lives. And that's why I think it's imperative that officers understand autism. I'm not saying we will stop all those situations where we end up hurting somebody with autism, but if I can get out there or other people can get out there and train officers to understand autism and, and the basics of it, um, maybe we can cut down on those number of incidences of individuals with uh, disabilities getting tased, uh, taser or, or shot. And, you know, I've been through a lot of disability training. One uh, training I went through, Dave Whalen with Niagara University has an um, uh, disability awareness trainer. And these days with mental health being a disability and so many other things being disabilities that are invisible, uh, there are studies that show that about 49% of all encounters with law enforcement involve somebody with a disability. And with autism specifically, there are also studies showing that there's a higher number, there are higher number of interactions between individuals on the spectrum and public safety, a lot of contacts, but strictly for law enforcement, the ones with those tools that hurt people and take lives, it, a person with autism is actually seven times more likely to have an encounter with law enforcement than a neurotypical individual. And right now, according to Autism Speaks, uh, Autism Society, autism is relating, is ending up being one in every uh, 36, I believe it is, births. It's four times more prevalent to males than it is females. But with those kind of numbers, you know, it, it's drastically grown in the past 20 some years, 25 years when people started really researching it more. But the likelihood of somebody on the spectrum having an encounter with law enforcement is pretty good. And I've talked to many families asking about what I do and why I do it. I do not have children on the spectrum. I don't have any family members on the spectrum. It's just been meeting families and realizing many of them are scared to death what's going to happen in later years when their loved one who is on the spectrum is out in public and they're not there. And I ask them, you know, if your son, daughter got called in as being suspicious at a particular location in a store, would you want that officer to understand autism? You know, I just want to be able to train up officers to be able to maybe pick up on a cue, pick up on a behavior here or there that will keep these bad things from happening. Um, you can you can Google it. You can check all over the world. There are encounters that are ending in very uh, unfortunate situations. And it's not always due to the fact that the officer did something wrong. Many times they are referring back to their training because they're they're taking, they're seeing that behavior and they're reverting back to their training, but you don't know what you don't know. If you haven't been trained on autism and some of these other invisible disabilities, you revert back to the only training you had, you know? So if we could get out there and educate officers, uh, it, it would, it would be huge. And I think we, I think we owe it to many of the families to uh, really push and try to get states to mandate this training for officers. You know, one in 36 births, it's not a question of, if you're going to interact with somebody on the spectrum, it's a matter of when you're going to interact with somebody on the spectrum. So, you know, law enforcement is constantly progressing. We're having to catch up and learn about this. These new things are popping up and we're constantly having to train up on new topics. And this is just one of those topics that's been around. There should have been mandated training a long time ago, but we really need to push and push and push and, and, and try to get this training out there for officers. Um, 
the last thing I want to touch on too is um, is the bullying aspect. You know, when you think about getting bullied, um, who usually gets bullied? It's usually the ones who are different, uh, the ones who may appear weaker. Um, and there's a lot of bullying all through the school system and even into the rest of their lives uh, that individuals on the spectrum are having to deal with. So bullying is a huge issue. Now, why don't they tell somebody? Why don't they tell somebody? Well, many of them think about it, if not, if 40% of individuals on the spectrum are nonverbal, they don't speak, how are they going to tell somebody? Or are they going to be able to explain exactly what's going on? Individuals on the spectrum, individuals with disabilities want the same thing most everybody else wants. They want friends. They want boyfriends, girlfriends. Um, they want to fit in. And the bullying can be as simple as saying, hey, come on over here. You want a piece of pizza? We've got a pizza. You want some? And they come over to get a piece of pizza and they're told, no, you can't have any. It's very subtle, very, very subtle. And many times they won't even realize that they are being bullied. And, you know, I know here in Virginia, there's there, I think, public schools in the state of Virginia, the numbers are probably 21,000 students with the diagnosis of autism. Once they age out of school at 22 years old here in Virginia, where do they go? Are employers going to hire them? To be honest with you, they make amazing employees because they need that routine and structure. They may have those social challenges where it's tough for them to interact. But if you can get, put them in a location in a corporation or a business uh, that's something routine and structured, they do this from this time to this time, then they take a break and then they do this from this time to that time. They crave and need that, that routine and structure. So they're amazing employees. But a lot of times when they are bullied, like I said, they want friends. Um, just when they get that attention, somebody's paying attention to them. They interpret that as this is my friend. They invited me to come do this. They invited me to do this. They asked me if I would just take this package and go down two streets and then a second mailbox on the right, put it in, and we're going to have a party. They're having a party later, and they invited it to me. When, in fact, um, people are using them as the mule to deliver the drugs. Um, so there's, you know, there's no malice in their mind. They're just doing what their friend asked them to do, and now I get to go hang out with them. So, unfortunately, even gangs across the country are trying to recruit people on the spectrum because People on the spectrum are looking for that belonging. They want to belong many times to a group. And here's a group of people that are letting me in. I get to hang out with them. I just have to run down here and take this here for them and take this there for that. You know, so it's hard for them to really see that as somebody is trying to hurt me or bullying me. And, and it even goes all the way up to some of your terrorist cells. I was talking to an officer over in Great Britain who did a lot of cyber um, bullying research and, and arrest where people uh, on the spectrum are online and somebody reaches out to them and wants to play a game. Oh, sure. I play a game and they, they do it well. And then, okay, well you did that, but Hey, try to do this. And, and as it progresses, that individual starts breaking into financial institution, not because they're trying to break the law, but their friend asked them to do something. Uh, so, I know over there was an issue where people on the spectrum were breaking into financial institutions, being arrested. And the question was, do you incarcerate them? Because again, they did it with no malice. They were just doing something a friend 
ask them to do? Or do you take them and try to um, get them jobs, retrain them up um, to work in some companies doing that computer stuff that they're absolutely amazing at? So, you know, out of me being told that we're going to deal with a, uh, we're going to have a program to help find people who are missing uh, or elope, uh, as, as you hear with autism, uh, it, it just turned into something where I began to realize law enforcement um, was responding to a lot of calls for service, which were directly related to autism and other, and other um, disabilities. Um, and again, autism, it's an invisible disability. If, if you don't know something about it, you may not pick up on it. You can't just look at somebody and tell. So, you know, the bullying aspect is huge. And personally, I have no use for a bully. Um, and, and that kind of led things here in the Richmond area, Richmond area of Virginia, where I'm working with some people who've developed a nonprofit called abetterunderstanding.org, where we actually have parties and events for individuals with disabilities. We um, has had a dance party this past summer, but it's all about that individual, those people with disabilities, because many people within uh, with disabilities, they've been invited people to come to their birthday every year and nobody showed up well they've never been invited to the birthday party or the the party the event so me and uh some other individuals started this nonprofit, and we did have a dance party we've got a christmas party coming up december 10th here in the richmond area um santa claus is going to be there and if you go to a betterunderstanding.org you can register we try to get a number a number of people figure out who's going to be there and have gifts for everybody and all. But, you know, it's, I just wanted to take this opportunity to share a little bit of my story and why I travel and teach law enforcement uh, whenever I have the opportunity. And I'll speak to any groups, teach any groups. I really think everybody has something that they can learn. And uh, I have the great support from a lot of the families that are going through this, but that's kind of what I do and why I do it. And I try to spotlight people with disabilities um, because they matter and we all should care about them. Uh, they deserve it. And again, these families are going through a lot and just being able to advocate for these families and these individuals and help teach them how to advocate for themselves. is kind of why I do what I do. So I hope you learned something. I hope you understand more about why, what I, why I do what I do. Um, yeah, I'm very passionate about it because I think it's something that needs to be covered out there. So, Hopefully we can do this occasionally, um, get some more guests in, but please feel free to reach out to me. Uh, Tim-Sutton.com is my website. You can go to betterunderstanding.org. Um, email is aaawareness12 at yahoo.com. Please uh, feel free to reach out to me, and I appreciate you watching. Dad, I love you, and thank you for, thank you for watching. This broadcast is produced by Griffo Productions.